It's a brace for the 18-year-old and three points in the back for Chicago. Federico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in. It falls for Shakiri. The Swiss international back onto the score sheet, and he doubles the fire lead. All right, football fans, welcome into yet another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. I am your host, Tyler Terrence, joined by none other chairman of the non-existent board, Emmett McConnell, as we are going to recap the fires, heartbreaking loss to the Columbus crew and Wilfred Nancy, and of course, Lucas Zellerian, the score being two to one at Soldier Field. Great crowd on hand, beautiful night. Um, the fire coming up short after the wonder goal from Lucas Zellerian, and, you know, that is... That is one of the best playmakers in Major League Soccer in the past few years, uh, doing what he does and improvising and ingenuity and the whole thing. And um, another one of those situations where the fire have points late on in the game. Um, not exactly the collapse where they're leading in the whole thing. Obviously, Shakiri had to get the equalizer and then the Zellerian goal happens, but just another example of the fire failing to close out a game late at home at home or on the road because it's happened in multiple places so i am hard pressed to find to find some positive things to take away from this one of them being jordan shakiri's first goal of the season beautifully taken goal and it might look like an easy finish because he made it look easy. That is not an easy finish. For the ball to be coming at you the way that it was from Miguel Navarro and hit it cleanly across your body, um, and it basically almost kissed off the post and in, not an easy finish. Great strike. That's one positive. Another positive was that the fire held Columbus to one shot on goal in the first half, and it came deep into stoppage time in the first half. I don't think that the fire played all that well past the 25-minute mark. I thought that once those few chances happened for Chicago, Kai Kamara creating problems, working off some mistakes from the crew back line, once Columbus settled in and Darlington Nagby and Ada Morris found their footing, I think that Chicago were clearly the the inferior team now we can go back to what we've been talking about and that doesn't really mean anything why does it have to mean anything and the truth of the matter is that it doesn't Chicago could have found a way to win that game thinking about the Shihos chance um, that obviously ended up getting flagged for offside hold your line for maybe a second too longer half a second you give yourself a real goal-scoring opportunity. I, I th- This feels very similar to right around the same juncture of last season where it was late May, heading into the June international break, right around Memorial Day. Fire had gone 10 without a win. Dropping points left and right at home. Epic collapse up in Toronto, north of the border. 
and then you're scratching your head and you're thinking this it, it's gonna have to be near perfect at home and pick up some big road wins if you want to have any chance of making the postseason now I think that the positive you might be able to take away from that is that the fire last year almost kind of did it. Now, some of you might be scratching your head and being like, where on earth is this dude going with this? The truth of the matter is, is that the fire were playing some of their best football right before and after the all-star break. Think about the Charlotte win. Think about the Columbus win at home, or excuse me, I think in 2021, the Columbus win at home, the Columbus, the Columbus collapse was the, was the, you know, final nail in the coffin, but there were games that the fire should have won at home, Charlotte and Columbus. And then you also win in Charlotte, you win in Vancouver. If they had if they had picked up four points from those two games, they put themselves in a much more dangerous position to make the playoffs. This is all to say that I know a lot of you are chalking off the season and saying season ends in June again. And I totally get that. Especially coming off the heels of the Open Cup disappointment. And that's what it was, a disappointment. That performance at home was a disappointment. And coming off a loss like this, watching Spencer Ritchie get chipped from 60 yards out, it is debilitating. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. This is not fun at the moment. However, you now put your backs up against the wall, and you have a really tough road swing coming up. You have the weekend off to the international break. There are some teams that are playing. I have the honor of going to Washington, D.C. to do D.C. and RSL this weekend. We got the weekend off, recharge and reset. Boys had a couple of days off. Find a way to get back to neutral. Because then you're going to Portland midweek. And then you're at Sporting. And Sporting has found their groove again. They're in a playoff spot right now, ninth place, after not picking up a win through the first, what, 10 games of the season? So once you finish that up, finish up this road swing of Portland, Sporting, and Orlando, really, really difficult. And you could find yourself in a much worse position than you are right now. And I know a lot of you are saying, well, we only got one point per game, which is painfully average and in 14th place right now. But you got to find a way to pick up some points on the road. You have to. Or you're looking at a home stretch following the Orlando game on July 1st. So from July 8th to August 30th, you got four or five at home. Home against Nashville, home against Montreal, home against Toronto, home against Orlando. That is a four-game homestand. I'll give Nashville a pass. They're an incredible team, and I think that they might be an MLS Cup contender even without filling out their third and final DP spot. If you can get a point out of that game, fantastic. But I'm looking at the team that the Fire are playing on any given on any one of these homestands, and 
I, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which like you can't get nine out of 12 points and still find yourself in a position to, to make a push for the playoffs. That's what, that's what this stretch recently has yielded. It has yielded the same air of desperation. I think that we saw last year and at times the fire played up to that. Right. And there have been moments over the past few years where obviously the fire haven't made the postseason where they start to play some of their better football once their backs are truly up against the wall and you really feel the importance and the significance and the gravity of each game. You don't want to get to that point. You would love to be in a cushy spot in fourth place right now and have some wiggle room and be Atlanta and have 28 points and know that you can make a mistake here and there. The margin for error is razor thin now. Unless you're planning to go be world beaters on the road, that homestand from July 8th through August 30th, five out of six that are at home. Including a home game against Vancouver, you go on the road against an LA Galaxy team that's been struggling, sandwiched in between that. And then you're on the road against DC, on the road against Montreal. Those are games you can win. But at this point, you need more. You just need more out of some of the guys. And just as a collective, we've seen what this team can do when it's on, when, when they're at their best. A win on the road against Austin FC. Two wins in a week against St. Louis City. I don't care about rotation or whatever whatever excuse you're going to make. They beat, St. they beat St. Louis City, who's in first place in the Western Conference, twice in a week. That is not easy to do against any team, let alone the leaders of the Western Conference. Which, again, I think that that becomes the most frustrating part of this all, is that there are moments where the fire look like they're up forward, and then there are moments where, they are, where they're not. Silly giveaways in the middle of the field, lack of defending on set pieces, collapses at home. Had a coaching change already this year. It's been a struggle. And the one saving grace and the one thing that everybody was hanging their hat on, the Open Cup, that dream ended in Bridgeview. So, Hopefully this break for Chicago will be everything that they need. And you have to imagine that it's going to do everybody a world of good, especially given the five-week stretch that they had, six-week stretch, eight games in the month of May. It's been a grind. The boys need a break. They got a few days off. But then it's back to the grind. You're going to be at Portland, then I would have to imagine that the guys are going to stay on the road for Sporting Kansas City as opposed to going home. It's going to be a long week. And then you're in Orlando. Not not an easy place to play, although Orlando City has been struggling at home for the past year or so. Not fun right now, man. It's really not. I don't got much more than that. Other news around Major League Soccer, FC Cincinnati are good. 
this just in perfect 9-0-0 at home, 3-1-4 on the road, 40 points, averaging almost two and a half points a game. Nashville, also good. But FC Cincinnati are that good that they're eight points clear of Nashville, who are seven or who are, excuse me, nine, three, and five. You're eight points off the leader in the Eastern Conference. LAFC coming back down to earth, a little bit of a CONCACAF Champions League hangover, got drilled by Ben Olsen and Houston Dynamo. Drilled, 4 0. Oh, should we talk about Messi? I guess so. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Generational talent comes to your league. I, I, what am I going to say that everybody else hasn't already? This is like when Pele came to the Cosmos in the 70s in the NASL. Different, but similar. This is going to, and you're already starting to see it. There were reports from Fabrizio Romano that Jordi Alba was, start, was engaging in conversations with Miami. He is going to bring more talent to this league. If the coolest kid shows up to school in Heelys, back when you were in middle school, everybody else got Heelys. Unless your mom told you that they were too dangerous and she didn't want you riding around in Heelys, which is what my mom did. But now that the coolest kid is coming to Major League Soccer, why wouldn't all the other cool kids want to come to Major League Soccer? If he can do it, and if he's thinking that this is the right move for his career, what on earth is stopping the rest of the talent in this world? Now, I'm not saying they're all going to come over here when they're 27, 28, and in their prime. But Lionel freaking Messi is coming to Major League Soccer. He is going to be in your backyard. This is going to change the league forever. He made a choice over Barcelona. And what was it? $400 million for one year of work. To come to Miami. That was the decision that he made. And you're seeing how many guys coaches, players are taking that, that oil money out there. Anthony Hudson, Steven Gerrard, Kareem Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo. I rank them in, in order of importance. Anthony Hudson being number one. So what is this going to mean for the league long-term? I have no idea. We'll have to wait and find out. It's only going to be good things. And the deal that he has, he's embedded in the success of Major League Soccer. If the league does well, Messi does well. It's as simple as that. Involved in the subscriptions and on Apple TV and MLS Season Pass, Adidas, and he's probably going to bring his own team somewhere someday. A la David Beckham. Game changing, world changing for all of us. It's going to bring a level of exposure and eyeballs to this league that it has never seen before.
Tyler, where do you think he's going to bring his team? If Miami was the obvious decision for Beckham to have a team and Messi gets an expansion similar deal, where is he going to go play? Or is he going to go own, I should say? Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful city. They already have a League Two team there. Why not? I don't know. I mean, like all of the nice weather places are sort of being taken up. I, I still think that we... I still think that we need some presence in the Southwest, like west of Texas, obviously. Vegas. But Messi doesn't seem like a Vegas guy. Phoenix. He loves Miami. Loves. I can see Asheville. See it happening. Where else? Maybe like Fargo. The Dakotas could use a major league soccer franchise. Did you just pick the least messy place you could think of? Terrible? I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I'm throwing stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. I'm an idea guy. I don't know. It's a good question. Boy, Boise? Jackson Hole? Nice Ooh. places? What about, what about Bozeman? I don't know that place. Bozeman, Montana? Like yeah, I don't know that place. Yellowstone FC. No, you don't. Oh, know that'd place. be a great name. Uh, that's might what I'm saying. Some, might have some trademark issues though. Uh, it, well, we'll sort that out on the back end. Well, I mean, what? Where else is viable? Can you bring a second team to Miami? There's already a USL team there, so you'll be able to tell if they have the capacity to support both. I think that might be difficult with Messi there. Um, Las Vegas. Doesn't have a team yet, right? Not yet, but they have an ownership group that's eager. Right, and Beckham had the Moss brothers. So maybe yeah. attaching Messi to that is just the kind of thing that puts Vegas over the line. But would... Messi and Vegas don't... Messi's not a Vegas guy. If it was Jack Grealish, then I would say, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Messi and Vegas don't go well. Beckham and Miami go well together. That makes sense. I don't know if Messi and Vegas make sense. Just from like a personality and like vibe type thing. I, I thought Beckham was a great fit in LA. He was an LA guy. He was Hollywood, right? Yeah, I guess course. Miami's I mean, the yeah. Hollywood of the East Coast in a certain way. Or is that New York? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is most big cities are taken up now, right? That's, that's what I'm saying to you. That's why I'm proposing some subsidiary and tertiary cities like Asheville. I think Messi would love it up there in the in the blue on the Blue Ridge Parkway. What do you think the, the chances? The Southern Appalachians. What do you think the chances he ends up getting pushed into an existing team? That that seems more likely, but again, the way that his deal is structured, it's similar to Beckham's, where he's going to get in for a ridiculously cheap cost comparatively to what, let's say, David Tepper had to pay for Charlotte. So the expansion fee, right? That's. You'd have to pay a similar amount just to buy an MLS team. If you decided, you know what, I'm going to buy Nashville SC right now. You'd probably have to pay. 400, 450 million, sure. Easily. I mean, you have the stadium too. So you got to chalk on a decent amount with there. So if, if you were able to get in for a large portion, if they just decided, hey, we don't like whatever owner. We're going to give Messi 25% ownership of this team for $10 million. I'm also hard-pressed to imagine a world in where Messi is going to accept 25% ownership of an MLS team. 
What's David Beckham's at right now? Isn't he at something like that? He's a partial owner. The Moss brothers are like the... 25%? I thought it was 50-50 between Beckham and Moss. Well, I know he gave some of it up recently, but... Sure, it's something you could Google. But... Anyway. Big stuff. Can't wait. Crazy. What a year for that guy. What a year. Not even. Six months. Year for Manchester City. Your boys. Don't you dare. I told you. I, I wanted them to win. Can I just tell you? So this was a struggle for me this weekend. I, I didn't call a game. I was officiating one of my best friend's weddings. Um, and we were doing the whole, like, all the groomsmen and everything like that. We're hanging out, um, having a couple bevies watching some sports before we went over to the house for the wedding. Very wholesome, you know, macho type energy in there. But the types of sports fans I was dealing with, strictly baseball and golf. I begged and pleaded for them to put on a Champions League final. I got killed. Killed. Nobody wanted it on. I saw three and a half minutes of the biggest club game in the world. Outside of the CONCACAF Champions League final. It's the second. I saw three minutes, Emmett. These guys wanted to watch a 14-3 to University of Virginia College World Series game. The game was done. I couldn't convince anyone to put on the Champions League final. Tyler, I know these are your friends, but I think the rest of the listeners will agree with me in my assessment of the situation. Philistines. That's what your friends are. Philistines. Ah. Is that too mean? No, it's not. I don't think it's mean enough. I'm disappointed in all of them. The groom didn't really care, right? Like, he's doing his thing. He's just like, whatever you guys want. The groom's brother, college baseball coach, killed me. Everybody else just, they're all dead to me. Every single one of them. I was having anxiety, not because of the ceremony that I needed to conduct in like an hour's time, but because I literally wasn't able to watch the game. Yeah, I could have thrown it on my phone, but I didn't want to be that guy who was on his phone while we're, you know, having a good time. Was I having a good time? I don't even know at this point. I, I was, I was. But anyway, congratulations to Manchester City. I'll tell you what. Jack Grealish's uh, documentary of his of his week following the day following uh, the win of the treble is going to be epic. This man couldn't walk. He was offered a wheelchair coming out of his hotel in Ibiza. That is what Jamie Tart would look like. Had spoiler alert! Oh boy, amazing stuff. And hopefully Pep will leave now and leave us all alone. This is what I wanted from the beginning. Have Pep win everything, feel like he's accomplished everything in Manchester City, come and be the head coach of the U.S. Men's National Team for the World Cup in 2026, and all will be right in the world, and order is restored to the force and to the balance of the force. Because right now, the dark side is in full control. The second order, if you will, that is Manchester City.
Yeah, I said it. Done with it. Done watching it. Pissing me off. Not in a good mood today, am it? Between the fire. Lost my championship game at fire pitch last night. Can barely walk this morning. I'm a little grumpy. A little grumpy. U.S. men's national team back in action tomorrow. Saw Flora Balligan being taught how to play golf by Weston McKinney. That's fun. And when I say tomorrow, we are recording this on a, what's today, Emmett, Wednesday. Nations League semifinal against Mexico. Should be interesting. Would have loved for our coach, whoever our coach is going to be for the 26th World Cup to be in charge of this game. Just going to go ahead and say it. Valuable opportunities out the window for whoever is going to be in charge to work with this group in a tournament setting. Emmett, do you remember the very first night of September? No. Do you remember 2019 Gold Cup when Burhalter first got the gig? U.S. Uh, more or less got played off the park against Mexico. Lost on a Dos Santos goal. It was in Chicago. But that was really the first time that Greg got the opportunity to work with the crew in a tournament setting. I think they beat Curacao in the quarters, Jamaica in the semis, and then lost to Mexico. Lost in a final. Those learning experiences, I think, are so important for a group and for a team. And you're not going to get that for both tournaments this summer. You're going to miss out on Gold Cup and Nations League. And it's going to be a group that doesn't have an identity. And when I say that, yeah, I mean, the coaching staff now is going to attempt to put something together. And BJ Callahan, like, is going to try to give this group an identity. But whatever the identity is here is not going to be the same identity when Matt Crocker makes a decision on who this coach is going to be. I think this is a wasted, wasted window. I truly do. And you can kill me for this all you want and say that, you know, we want to get the signing right and you want to wait for the best of best available manager. Maybe they're waiting for Pep to be done with Manchester City and make a run at him. I don't know. All I know is, is that it has been a minute since Greg Berhalter parted ways with the U.S. men's national team as the head coach. It's been so long that Anthony Hudson has found a job. Let's figure this thing out as quickly as possible. That's all I got to say about that. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week. We will be back next week with another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show, The Fire Off This Week. Enjoy your weekend, um, and we will talk to you soon. Vamos. Vamos.